You're listening to Wake Up Tucson. This podcast is a Bustos Media production on The Voice. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Seven oh seven in the morning. You're on Wake Up Tucson, ten thirty. The Voice, local news and talk. Uh, we have the crew from the uh, Rita Racetrack coming in at the bottom of the hour, including two students from the University of Arizona Racetrack program, which partners with the Rita Horseman's Foundation to put on this thing called Rita. Tomorrow is opening day. First race is at one p.m. I have not heard of. I got to text uh, Joanne to see if Lucky Lupe is running. I'll let you guys know. So. Uh, remember also on Monday, uh, we're having a thing called a happy hour at Games and Gadgets over in Tucson Mall. It'll be in the back in the Short Rest Tavern. And uh, again, 5.30 start. And we'll have some food from the uh, the great Malta Joe. Uh, we'll be there also. So uh, so good morning. We have a, uh, I'm going to call her internet superstar. Uh, Sean Sean, how are you doing, young lady? Cooking with Sean Sean? Good, how are you? Thank <laughs> you for having me this morning. Not a problem. I, I have eaten your food that you have cooked. I have seen you cook it. We've gone to some yeah. good restaurants together in the past. Mm-hmm. You are, the, the I feel like, one of the, the real deals in this arena. And uh, <laughs> just I because wish. you don't, quote, own a restaurant doesn't mean that you're not making it happen. So welcome mm-hmm. to the show. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone. So just a quick intro about myself. I am originally from southwestern region of China. My name is Shan. I always spell my name because people don't know how it's pronounced or spelled. S H A N. And I. Why have do you say it twice? Shan Shan. Yeah. Um, it's because. Because you keep spelling it to everyone twice <laughs> over, <laughs> and then you keep saying it's Shan Shan. No, that's that has a lot to do with Chinese culture. So Shan is my name, but Shan Shan is more of a nickname that your friends were close you know family they would call you it's basically like chris chris i got you yeah that's that okay anyway so yeah i was going to introduce myself but now you totally interrupted me that's what i do (laughs) that's exactly what i do all right so So you said you're from southwest western china right Chongqing. so that's the city we would consider the capital city of hot pot (sighs) okay if you ever had a chinese hot pot you know that's kind of spicy big pot you boil food in and later served in a dipping sauce right so anyway um so when i moved to the u.s i was just like everybody else i was following a lot of food creators on youtube and other social medias one of them inspired me to start my own channel obviously food was my passion i was influenced by my parents as well as my grandmother who's like 100 years old still lives in the village where i'm from so I. So your, your dad liked to cook also. My dad did, but my mom cooked more than okay. my dad. Yeah. Gotcha. My grandmother, though, she cooked a lot. I mean, like I said, she just lived a simple life in a small village. You know, she's hundred years old. She has never traveled anywhere further than thirty minutes. Yeah. But anyway, so I wanted to start the cooking channel so we can spread the love and the passion for authentic Chinese cooking and more. Uh, one of the dishes I make will be uh, twice cooked pork that you're eating right now. <laughs> Looks awesome. Um, and also mapo tofu or kumpao chicken that a lot of people know about. And also hot pot class that I do from time to time with Uncommon Goods. Uh, that's the hot pot class I do too. Uh, basically, I'm the instructor showing people how to make 
at a home hotpot. Um, yeah, I also share my recipes on Whisk app, which is a recipe sharing app you can download on your phone. Um, you know, I have uh, nearly 200 recipes now, still counting that I'm working on. Yeah, I hope that we can connect each other over there. You want to follow along on Cooking with Shan Shan, and that's S-H-A-N, cookingwithshanshan.com. Mm-hmm. And then that has the links to go to uh, Facebook, TikTok, and or Instagram and YouTube to watch these videos that she does. And then, of course, the recipes that go along with it. Who was this uh, YouTube, other ch- YouTube channel that, what was the, the one that inspired you to do your own? Which one was that? Uh, she's also a Chinese YouTube um, creator, and she also is from the city that I'm from, Sichuan or Chongqing region. But she does more like fashion, cooking stuff, not just the cooking. Uh, just one of the videos she made, she talked about how she started the uh, channel. You know, her name is Vicky. She started the channel, what software she um, started using, and uh, you know how much money it cost her to start the channel, all the tips that um, is very good for starters like myself. So she said something, if you want to start your channel, don't make any excuse, do it now. So that was very inspiring. And when I thought to myself, what will be a good content for me to start? Obviously, it was food and cooking. That's what something inspired me and I'm very passionate about. And I also, it's something that I can see myself doing for a long time. That's why, you know, we started doing so, this. So yeah. uh, if you went back to, so you said you've made 200 videos so far or so? Or Just uh, for cooking tutorials only, yes. All right. So if you went back to your first one you ever did, right, mm-hmm. what were the lessons that you learned of that first one on how you got, got better you know, uh, what, what what would Sean go back? If Sean went back to the Sean of episode number one, what would you tell her how to do it better? Besides, my kitchen was on fire. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I got to tell you. The first one, I would say, so at first I was just doing videos uh, like the, in landscape view, how you would post your video on YouTube, right? But then TikTok is 16 by 9, so the size is a little off. Uh, at first, I was just posting what I was doing on YouTube, on TikTok. But, you know, the size doesn't look good for uh, viewers. So I learned a lot through other um, creators, how they did their videos better. I changed what I did from the landscape view to the 16 by 9 size. So that was good adjustment, excuse me. Shorter. Yeah. Um, So yeah, to make it shorter, also have everything laid out clearly. Uh, Yeah, that's something that I had to adjust. But if you ask me, like, what I would, would what I would done differently if I go back, mm, uh, can't think of anything. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. So let, let's let's do this. Let's go, let's go to let's go to break. Let's visit some of our great sponsors. We're hanging out yeah. with uh, Sean Sean cooking with Sean Sean dot com. Yeah. Mark's here, of course. Her faithful husband <laughs> from Tucson Games and Gadgets. Oh yes. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, thanks. Um, we're doing a happy hour at his marvelous place Monday. That's right. So should be very fun. Five thirty to seven thirty ish. But uh, when we come back, uh, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna ask Sean a question that's gonna make your life easier, which is 
her font of knowledge of where to eat the best Asian food in Pima County because she hasn't steered us wrong yet. So that's coming up next on Wake Up Tucson, 10.30 of the Voice, local news and talk. There we go. We're doing the Friday dance party here at Wake Up Tucson. We have our good friend Mark from Games and Gadgets is back. Still bruised after trivia yesterday. Yeah, it was rough. It was rough. <laughs> There's some good players out there. And then we have his lovely wife, Sean Sean's here. She has, uh, go to cookingwithshanshan.com. You can check her out on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and all of your grandkids are on this thing called TikTok, and they can watch her on TikTok. So how many followers on TikTok do you have? Uh, close to 220,000. There you go. Still work on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's your interaction? A little closer to the microphone, please. What's your interaction with the, with the, the like on TikTok? Because they're 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 skew, they're going to skew much younger. Do they mm-hmm. interact with you? Do they contact you about things? Are they following you up on like, hey, how did you do this? Or how yeah, does that work? I actually go live quite often on TikTok, maybe two or three times a week, and I do get a lot of young kids as well as working mom and the dads come to my live. I will be showing them, you know, okay, this is how. You can easily peel a ginger without a peeler or a knife because it can be very unsafe to do so. You can easily use a spoon, you know, to scrape it off. That's kind of the cooking technique that I would like to share with people. And then they would like to ask me a question about, you know, what is twice cooked pork? You know, how did you do it in authentic Chinese way? And then sometimes when I'm in the middle of cooking and then share something that we would do in our, <coughs> excuse me, Chinese culture, and then one of the kids will be like, oh my gosh, that's exactly what my mom or grandmother will be doing. That's very Chinese way of doing it. So a lot of interactions and then they have a question about my background, you know, myself, my grandmother, as well as some cooking techniques throughout my session on TikTok. What's your, uh, what's your most viewed video? It is Chinese egg rolls. <laughs> of course. Okay. Yeah, even though it's not a, a, I would call authentic Chinese dish, but it's quite popular. It's over 1.1 million views on that video alone. So again, right, so Americans understand egg rolls, right? And a hot pot, that sounds weird, a hot Man, pot. I know an egg roll. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, I love making egg rolls when I have parties. Right, and people right. come over. Right, it's easy. Yeah, yeah. What's 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 the ingredients in a shan shan egg roll? What 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 makes up a shan shan egg roll? So I had a few uh, recipes for egg rolls. One of them is only three ingredients involved. Okay, ground meat. You can use pork, chicken, or beef or turkey. And then second one is uh, smashed carrot. Last one is shredded cabbage. All right, and then marinade wise. Hold on, you, you you got my attention with smashed carrot. What what, what are you doing? Are you, you beating up the <laughs> carrot? What's going on here? Yes, Chinese flavor. <laughs> no, basically you have like shredded, kind of close to smashed texture. Okay. You can use the cheese grater to kind of grate the carrot. Okay. Yeah, that's what I You don't meant. smash it after you shred well, it. No, not That'd be fun. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, sometimes oh. it's very therapeutic you know, to do that. <laughs> see Sean beating the hell out of a carrot uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. on TikTok would be great. That's uh, what, out of the kitchen. So that's the three ingredient one. What's the other one that mm-hmm. you would say in, in, in ingredients? Uh, so after the three ingredients, now comes to marinate, right? So you're adding salt, black pepper, egg, oyster sauce, light soy sauce, some sugar, you know, sesame oil, a little bit of chicken powder, but it's optional. If you do not like it, it's okay. Just marinate real quick into this pasty texture, and then uh, you wrap it inside, you know, egg roll wrapper. Okay. Yeah, deep fry, and done. 
What do you like to dip your egg roll in? What's what's the appropriate dipping sauce? Here's the thing. You <laughs> like it. It doesn't come with a dipping sauce uh, in China. No. <laughs> So, if if, if someone forced sour. you to dip it into something, what would you dip it into? Mm-hmm. Chenching spicy sauce. <laughs> yeah, something spicy, exactly, uh, to my liking. But you can definitely do, okay, sweet, sour dipping sauce. You can do like a spicy with some chili in it, lemon juice, kind of, uh, you know, kind of more like southern, eastern or southern uh, Asian style. Um, okay. You know, lemon, some chili, like Thai style or Vietnamese, yeah. Um, what about what's the toughest thing you've ever cooked on on a video? Just in relation to just very um, complicated or it's Chinese mooncakes. <laughs> yeah, it took me six hours to just to film that video alone. What? So you make everything from scratch. Okay, it's snow skin mooncakes. Bin pi in Chinese pronunciation. So it took me a long time. Like like I said, four or five hours to prep and everything. From flour to the coloring, I actually used cactus uh, prickly pear, the pink color, to color the skin. So it turned out some semi pink and some were green because I I used the mocha green tea for coloring. Um, yeah, that video did get a lot of views as well. Um, it was six hours. Yeah, <laughs> just to film that. Mark's tried it too. They're delicious. Did it look right for? Were there, were there any uh, mooncake purists that said that looks weird or anything like that, or any of those people? Um, very rarely I get haters. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to my world. Um, so uh, before, and we'll have this discussion again. Let's we'll call this the first of different many discussions, hopefully on the air. But let's talk about um, one of the things uh, I, I asked you guys when I remember when we first had the happy hour and I first met you at the at the short rest, and I said, "So where where, where are the better Asian places to eat?" So you and Mark uh, treated us to a wonderful meal at uh, Chef Wang. Yes, correct. I love that place. I think that's the closest authentic Chinese restaurant that I have been to locally. They have really good uh, cabbage stir-fry, the pork belly stir-fry I have here, you know, some kung pao chicken, tofu um, dishes. Yeah, we always go there like... They even got chopped pork ear. times a month. (laughs) (laughs) It was so fun when we went there because literally Sean's like asking me and my wife, like, what do you like, what do you don't like, right? Spicy, Mm -hmm. mild, and then... right. You were you were speaking uh, in uh, Mandarin. Mandarin to the uh, to the server, and just magically food showed up. A uh, yeah, ten, <laughs> 10 to fifteen minutes later, and it was pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah, they've got good. the the great lazy Susan where you can just order like five or six dishes and just keep spinning it around to everybody. <laughs> and they have good customer service. Yeah. No, the, the service yeah. is very good. Right, because mm-hmm. uh, what? Are, so you're making hot pots. So you, are there any places in Tucson you like to get a hot pot? Um, hot pot wise, there are few places that we have been to. There's nothing. Um, there's nothing. Let's just say there's nothing spectacular in Tucson for hot pot. There is the there are a couple. There's a couple off Speedway. They're they're okay. Okay. Um, but they're they're missing a few elements as far as the overall 
large hot pot we were dipping things. Most of them are little self-serve, sure. small hot pots. And so they're all okay, uh, but you don't get the full hot pot experience that you might get up in Phoenix at a few of the places up this there. This is what happens when you're married to the hot pot queen. You're, yes, you're yeah, there's stuck. a lot of judging that goes on. <laughs> uh, now it's your chance to open a hot pot yeah, there restaurant. You go. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we can totally behind, do it behind together. A, be, behind some sort of games and gadgets place. D. Simone's hot pot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what are one or two other places that you guys like to go in the Asian uh, food world that you uh, that you like? We like Thai restaurant Tuk Tuk Thai. Okay. Right. Um, if you go to Old Peking and ask for the Chinese menu. Exactly. Make sure you ask for Chinese menu. Sichuan yeah. on Fort Lowell also has the Chinese menu. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. So, That's good, too. There's a sweet and sour chicken menu, and then there's the Sichuan. <laughs> even <laughs> even Kung Fu, the Kung Fu noodle place is pretty good off of right right near that place. One of my favorites. Yeah. So, That's pretty good. Um, um, June Dynasty has its ups and downs, but yeah, they're, they've been good. I always got to tell them to back off the peppercorns because I think they yeah. go a little, uh, like all the, because it's, I, I don't mind spice, right? But it's literally like deading, deadening my tongue, you know? It's yeah, like you, get that, you get that <laughs> spicy fish dish, and it's like, holy cow. And I, you know. And what's the other place? Uh, Hong Kong Cafe. Well, I, I like the Hong Kong Cafe. Tusamo. Right off of Wetmore and uh, First. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. They do really well. Real, Actually, really good food there. Actually, they just came up in my discussion with Rocco last uh, Friday. We were talking oh, really? about that. It's really them. good. We go, I go there. So. We, we were going there like about once a week. It's it like the number, right? It's like 81. 85. Hung- yeah, Pure 85. It's based <laughs> off of a place in Hong Kong. Um, they've got some definitely some really good stuff. Uh, their cracked pepper yeah. shrimp is pretty tasty. And I was going to say there's a Chinese uh, roasted duck chicken place that uh, just changed the ownership at Lily's. Oh, okay. That's pretty good. Yeah. Oh, so the one when I, when I walk in on the left and I see ducks hanging off the rack. Right. Yes. That's they the place you're talking barbecue, about. Ribs, it's a new Hong Kongese owner. Duck. They also have dim, dim, dim sum, sum dishes now. now. So it's a very oh, wow. nice addition. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Buy yourself yeah. a pound of crispy pork. It's it's to die for. It's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Mm. <it> is. Mm. <laughs> All right. Well, Sean, you did your first appearance on Wake Up Tucson, and you're still okay at the end. So. <laughs> yes. Good job. Not having a There's going to be tears later. There'll be tears later. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? I could have said, said that better. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for putting up with me. You're everyone. great. Love having you guys on there. Yep. So hopefully I'll see you at the happy hour on Monday. Yeah, yeah. of course. All right. We'll so we'll be, be at Tucson Games and Gadgets, uh, Mark's beautiful place at the Short Rest Tavern on the back at uh, 5.30 on Monday. Remember, cookingwithshanshan.com. She will make your cooking, uh, what you're cooking in your kitchen, much, much better. U of A racetrack program coming up with Dr. Ed Ackerley. Wake up, Tucson, 10.30 The Voice. Nice. Thank you. 7.34 in the morning. You're on Wake Up Tucson, 10.30 of the voice. Local news and talk. Remember, if you want to find out more about uh, cooking with Sean Sean and some of her great cooking videos, go to cookingwithshanshan.com. The uh, twice-cooked pork belly that she made us was spectacular. So, good morning to Dr. Ed Ackerley. How are you doing, buddy? Good morning, Chris. Thanks for having us this morning. We've got a big day going on tomorrow. Yeah, it's the <laughs> kickoff of the 80th, 80th anniversary of Rito Racetrack. It's a pretty historic day, and we're pretty excited. Uh, we got we expect about, oh, maybe 7,000 people is what my guess is going to be. So we I bet. Pretty big day. Opening day, first race starts at 1 p.m., gates open 11, I believe. Yeah, and I have to thank you publicly. Why? Well, you know, I knew Mark um, back 12 years ago, 13, 14 years ago when he came into the uh, the, uh, the Marriott. But uh, having you guys talk about uh, 
Rito a couple of years ago on the air true. <laughs> has caused us to <laughs> hoodwink Mark into being our operations guy. As again, time. this show has been all about a lot of people making good connections. Yeah, and so Mark was on the show doing his movie thing. Yes, he was right, and he wasn't working at, at Rito at that time. He was still in the hotel business or just getting out. Just getting out, right? right? And he said, "Man." Greedo would be great if they would just do blank, blank, and blank, and blank, and waiting for the, the concessions was a nightmare, and he went through the whole thing, and then you were listening, and then you reached out to him and said, hey, how can you help us? And now he's running the damn place. He's running the place. He's doing a fantastic <laughs> job, and we, we just are so excited to have him there. He's, he's really cleaned up the place, and his... Uh, operations are fantastic so yeah, yeah i was telling, talking to you earlier about the blessing of having a guy who's so good in the hotel hospitality business who loves horse racing right right, right? And, and that's the part that makes it, it ha- work some of his vacations his, when he goes on vacation he goes to, to racetracks around the country as and, he should for god's sakes yeah, yeah. so what, what's uh, what's new this year anything uh, what, what should we expect at the track well i think the most important thing that we're doing this year is the stride stride safe uh, project which is uh um, indicator, uh, it's a technical indicator thing that uh, is actually attached to the horse's uh, saddle um, blanket and it's basically to detect, um, you know, if, if a horse has a, a gait problem or something. So obviously one of the problems with, with horse racing over the years has been the, the equine wellness program, making sure that uh, horses are safe and jockeys are safe. And so this is really a huge step in a, uh, technologically and uh, and. Um, first time ever in the history of the world that uh, we know we're the birthplace of quarter horse racing. Uh, quarter horses are going to, uh, they, they've done they've some, done some testing with thoroughbreds, but we're going to do it with the, thorough, uh, the quarter horses this uh, season. So basically it's a red light, green light, uh, uh, yellow light kind of a thing to make does sure. It, does, it, does it look at the horse's vitals? Is it doing that too? No, it's, uh, Haley can tell you more about it, but it's basically. <laughs> well, well the, introduce these two okay. young people. Well, Michael is, is going to be one of the on-air people. They're both from the racetrack industry program. One graduate, one uh, almost graduate, yep. and uh, they're, they're two of our about. We have about uh, what thirty four <laughs> um, students that will be interacting over the course of the next couple of weeks. Uh, yeah, we have a wide variety of students, anywhere from um, our uh, honor handicappers will be students, our vet assistants will be students. Uh, I have our chart callers, which is the past performances for those who don't know. They're students. Um, we actually have a student that will be announcing some of the races. Yeah, and students working the cameras wide wide variety of students working in different positions and that's one thing i really love about rito and haley's getting some training she's uh, mike mike weiss is our general manager and he does the horsing horsing around kind of things uh, all the anything that has to do with with the horse racing element mike handles and so she's his assistant this year and uh one of the neat things about the racetrack industry program if uh, mike mike often touts that if you uh, go to any major racetrack in the world not only in the country but in the world there's typically a racetrack industry program student from graduate from the University of Arizona that's either there or, in many cases, running the place, which is pretty powerful stuff. So, and Michael here is one of our handicappers and, and yeah. on air personalities. So, <laughs> so Mike, you're from you're from su- Southern <coughs> Connecticut. So I'm from I'm maybe about 20 minutes south of Hartford. Okay. Um, I've gone. I've been to what, Saratoga. What's the name of your town? Does it end with the word borough? No. Oh, okay. No. <laughs> I'm from Southington now. Southington, um, okay. But I've been to New York. I've been to New York City. God knows how many times I've been to Saratoga. God knows how many times I've worked for a few trainers up at Saratoga for the past. Hold on, I gotta. 
four or five years, I think. I just got to make sure. How long have you been in college? Uh, <laughs> no, I, I did start a, is, I is started this, a is, year beforehand. Oh, okay. So it worked out for Tommy Boy in the end, too. So don't worry about it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, I, I got the opportunity to start taking the the paddock job. The okay. Opportunity to just take, just give out my picks. And it was really nothing different because back home in Connecticut, the neighborhood would ask me who I liked for the Triple Crown races. Um, now, was there OTVs in Connecticut? Yeah. Um, if I'm not mistaken, in one of my classes, we were taught that the OTB, that OTBs became a thing because they started in Connecticut. Okay. At least I think. I'm so off-track totally betting. Sure. So what you guys don't understand. So in, I, I'm a Nassau County kid in Long Island, right? Mm-hmm. And so in this shopping center where it was a supermarket, right, there'd be this pizza place. And then next door to it, there was this little spot which was off-track betting, and you would just go in and play the ponies mm-hmm. right there in the su- in the shopping center. Yeah. So that's what we're talking about. Um, so. But being at Rito, it's, I, I'm so much more involved in having picking my horses. I take entries. Uh, I make the morning line. It's it, it's almost It's almost as deep of a perspective from a handicapping perspective as you can get because we have eight races. We have eight races Saturday, nine Sunday. That's eight races of anywhere from seven to eight horses and nine races of anywhere from seven to eight horses and different breeds. So it's a lot of work to break down. But when you make the morning line and you take their entries, you you can kind of already piece together who you like in your mind. And then as the week goes on, I'll start writing down who I like and I'll make those picks. I'll forward those on to the program because we're doing a tip sheet again this year. Nice. For all for everybody. So Rita, I assume coming. it was your father who turned you into a junior handicapping machine. Um, no, actually, it's, <laughs> it, it's a funny story of how I got started. Um, so funny. Other enough, kids are you know playing you know doing the you know math math Olympiads or whatever. No. You're you're working on the uh, eighth race at Belmont. <laughs> 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 no, well, well, the funny part about it was I got bit from the bug by. Um, my grandparents used to have a house in Boca Raton, Florida. And when I was a little boy, I think probably it started when I was six years old because that's when I can remember. We would go down in like a week in January to go see them. And they had standard breads at the old Pompano Park. Wow. Rest in peace, Pompano. Um, long live the pomp. Yep, long live the pomp. Um, and they had, I think, few horse, a few horses here and there. But just being around the backside, watching them go out and train, it's just... It, it it got me it got me the butt it bit me, okay. and then Secretariat came out the movie Secretariat sure. which was fabulous. Yep. I discovered the movie Sea Biscuit. Um, I have a very faint memory of Big Brown, and then Zenyatta when she lost to Blame in the Classic by a head. I was in third grade, I remember, um, and it just kind of snowballed, and here I am. <laughs> yeah, I, I have those memories of being like. You know, because being a Long Island kid, we lived 15 minutes from Belmont. Yeah. Right? So Belmont Stakes Day was a huge day. That was like a holiday at my house. Oh, it's it's still a holiday for me. You know, so watching like Gato Del Sol oh. uh, win a race, and I remember my my dad had a few bucks on it, and winning, <laughs> it was it was kind of like, it was it was a party at our house, so I remember those kind of days. How about you, young lady, Haley? How did you get, how did you get the bite? So I got bit by a horse Michael already mentioned, but in a different race, so Zenyatta... <laughs> When she won the, she it's amazing won the how both of you were touched by this horse. Yeah, <laughs> she won the 2009 Breeders Cup Classic, but then lost the 2010 Breeders Cup Classic, which was a heartbreak to me. But my parents, like, we had horses, but we were like never into horse racing. Right. But I had friends that were into horse. Are you from racing. Arizona? No, I'm from California. Okay. <laughs> which you know 
some people don't like it when I what say part, that. What part of California? San Luis Obispo, right. good old Central Coast, Cal Poly. They don't call know. it San San Luis Obispo anymore, do they? It's San Luis Obispo. <laughs> and Paso Robles, no. not Paso Robles. <laughs> well, sometimes they put the word abysmal at the end. That's why. I yeah. It's like Pres it's like Prescott, Arizona. If you say Prescott, we know you're not from you there. You are correct, young lady. <laughs> Absolutely. So what was your first uh, kind of like getting into just watching the races? How about getting more involved? What what, what made you want to get into a racetrack program at the University of Arizona? So um, my horses have chiropractors. So my horse chiropractor <laughs> also worked at Santa Anita on some very famous racehorses. Um, Michael would know one. Her name was Ms. Direction mm-hmm. and um, Beholder. Yep. For anyone who has a little bit of a racehorse bug, he was their chiropractors. And he hooked me up with an owner friend of his. And she kind of became like my racetrack mom. And she would take me to the races and watch her horses run or just go because, you know, some big name horse and was running. And she was running. at Santa Anita? Yeah. Okay. Like American Pharaoh or Justify. And, you know, so we go watch those big races together. And so I just kind of got into it. And then when Zenyatta won this award in horse racing called the Vox Populi Award, which is given out by the Secretariat Foundation to a horse that they feel has... Um, kind of emphasize the sport has kind of a feel-good story. So anyone who wants to look up this award, look up the horse Cody's Wish. It's he a is a story. perfect definition of why the Vox Populi Award exists. Yeah. Tell me more about Cody's Wish. You got me excited. Michael, will you tell the story of Cody? <laughs> so the story of Cody's Wish starts when Cody, when the horse was um, six months old, right? Mm-hmm. So it starts when the horse was six months old and a young boy, I can't remember what... Cody Dorman. Yeah, Cody Dorman, but I can't remember what condition he has but it's some sort of, it's some sort of condition um yeah while well, Haley looks it up once she finds it she'll be she'll just say it but the young boy is essentially he's essentially bound to a chair okay. he can't go he can't do anything uh, he can't really do anything by himself let me rephrase that but they go he has a, he has a make a wish event and he lives in Kentucky and he thinks and he asks why don't we go to a farm and he goes to a farm he goes to Godolphin. Godolphin bred Cody's Wish. And he was a six-month-old yearling. He was a little unruly. You know, typical typical baby horse. Not exactly wants to get now along the kid's with people. name Cody? Yes. And the horse is named Cody. No. The horse was named after the okay. boy. The horse All right. Was named I, wasn't, after I just want to okay, make sure this wasn't a coincidental no. thing of the universe. But the best part, but the story gets really interesting when Cody first meets the horse because the horse just puts his head in Cody Dorman's lap. And that's not something that, I mean, for most horse people, that's not something that a lot of us know to happen on a regular occurrence. All right. So, uh, Haley just had, so the the boy was born with a rare genetic disorder called Wolf-Hirschhorn syndrome when uh, unable to walk or communicate without utilizing a tablet. Yes, yes, yes. That's the right word. I knew it started with, I knew it was wolf and something, but I couldn't remember. Okay. So anyways, Cody's wish runs three times after he's been named and after this magical moment where they meet he's been named he runs three times he doesn't win and the next start bill mott who trains the horse entered him at churchill downs and cody and somehow cody dorman caught wind that the horse was going to run at churchill so if i'm not mistaken he practically begged his parents to go to churchill to see the horse run the horse won and that was a cool story in itself, but well, you forgot the part where they said they brought <laughs> before the horse runs, and Cody was at the barn to go see the horse. They said. 
Cody's wish saw Cody and was practically dragging his groom over to this boy to say hello. He remembered wow. him from yeah. their first encounter. And then flash forward to August of this year, Cody's wish comes into the um, the Forgo or was it the Vanderbilt? One of them. You, he, no, it was the Forgo because it was on Travers Day. Cody's wish comes into the Forgo um, with a light resume, not impressive. You've been to Belmont, so he, I think he might have had a listed stakes to his name by this point, okay. but nothing world beater. He's going up against Jackie's Warrior, who at the time was basically the best sprinter in the world. Um, I'm not sure if he was still undefeated in the season. He might have been, but I'm not sure. He okay. was. I remember that. But then, as they as they as they get to the far turn, Jackie's Warrior comes up empty. Cody's wish blows by the last eighth and wins. And Cody Dorman watched the race. And it there's NBC has a great piece on it on their YouTube on YouTube right okay. before the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. It's a great story. Um, and then we're gonna flash forward again. So now we're at Breeders' Cup Day. Cody's Wish is going into the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, which is an extra eighth of a mile further than the Forgo. Seven eighths to a mile. Horses can do that, but I mean Sure. It's kind of a it's kind the of The distance is in the name. He was running a mile. Yeah. The distance <laughs> is in the name of the race. It's the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Um now, Cody's wish up to that point, you didn't really know what you were going to get with him. He could show up. Hold that thought for a second, Mike. we got to go to a commercial. We're in a little late. This is a good tease. Everyone's, this is a great <laughs> story. So we're going to finish the story with Haley, Mike, and Ed Ackerley when we come back. Uh, the Major Mayhem's here sitting uh, in the on-deck circle. Hey, Major. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, remember, uh, first race is tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Gates open at 11. We have great food. Mark's got some great food trucks, but more importantly, we got Mutz downstairs who does an amazing job with his stuff using our sausage and hot dogs from Milwaukee. And then the great Juan Almanza from El Taco Rustico is upstairs in the grandstand. So, And then, of course, we have uh, private tables that you can get in the clubhouse. Uh, where do they go to figure out uh, maybe a table? How would they? Uh, they, can, they can call Cass at the racetrack, and um, she'll get them taken care of there. Um, we've got just a few tables left in the clubhouse. We have some tables left in the grandstand area, though, that are still available. Awesome. Thanks, bud. All right, you're on Wake Up Tucson, 1030 The Voice, local news and talk. 7.52 in the morning. I could talk to Mike and Haley about racing for, like, ever. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we were doing on the commercial break. Yeah. yeah. Ed Ackerley's here, uh, Rito Horseman's Foundation, again, uh, working with the U of A uh, racetrack uh, program. Uh, 34 students, right? About, they? yeah. They, they, we have some from the racetrack program, but we also have some from uh, journalism and communications and marketing and other places. So they And equine and vet science. Equine and vet science. It's quite right. literally a... Just a nice sample size of a good chunk of students here. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so we have, I have people saying, make sure this kid finishes the <laughs> Cody's <laughs> Wish story. <laughs> so if you just tuned in, we're telling this great story about a, a young man who was suffering from wolf Hirschhorn syndrome where he couldn't walk. He's in a wheelchair and can only communicate through a tablet. His parents take him to meet the horse, and somehow him and the horse connect. The horse saw him at a race and pulled his groom all the way over because he loved that kid. Yep. So anyway... Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile, go. All right, all right, so we're back to the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. Uh, right before the race, NBC airs the whole story of what I'm telling you right now. It's on their YouTube. I, I have it. Like, I will post it up on Wake Up Tucson, or I'll email it to you. You know where to find me. Perfect. It's Honestly, it's, it would do a lot better than what I'm explaining right now, but we get to the race. I think he ran – I think – at post time, Cody's wish was five to one. Because Cyberknife right? was heavy favorite. Cyberknife, the Cox horse, the Brad Cox horse, was favored. Um, he had come off. I think he had come off a win. He came off a second in the Travers, but he'd won the Haskell beforehand. So everybody had thought he's cutting back. 
a mile's probably going to be his best distance. It, he's he's the horse to beat in the race. Well, and anyone who knows horse racing, the connection specifically said we're in the dirt mile to avoid flight line in the yeah. classic. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, and Cody's Wish was the type of horse, I discussed this with a good friend of mine who worked at the track, Eric DeCoster. Him and I ping-pong horses back and forth every now and again. And I had talked to him about it briefly, and I had said, you know... The mile, like if there was a Breeders' Cup seven eighths race, Cody's Wish would shoo into that race perfectly, because I, I was just I I Hor- horses, in him. horses have their groove thing right. There's oh, exactly. that distance right. Like, so this was asking a little a little more out of this horse. If I'm not wrong, it was his first time going two turns, and I I don't think it was his first time going a mile, but I think it was his first time going two turns, which is different. I mean, I can't really explain that because I don't really know how to, but Because a mile is a at Santa Anita is a different than a mile at Belmont Park because Santa Anita is a one-mile oval while Belmont Park is a mile-and-a-half oval. So sure. one mile is only one turn at Belmont where it's two turns at Santa Anita or Keeneland in this case. Yeah. Belmont's but massive. we get to the race. Um, he was a closer. He didn't really... He wouldn't do his best running until the quarter pole. So they, so they break... And you know he's trailing. He might. He's in the last third of the field, the majority of the way. Half mile to go, he starts to pick off horses one by one. Um, then we get to the quarter pole. He's pulled even with Cyberknife, and they have this great this great stretch duel the whole way. Um, it was a real head bob coming down to the wire, and at the wire, Cody's Wish gets his nose down to win. And the best part about that is the little boy got his picture made with Cody in the Breeders' Cup winner's circle. And it was all, tears were flowing because the horse won because that little boy was there. That's I amazing. love the call because when Cody's wish crosses the wire, the announcer says, the wish has come true. Yep. This one's for you, Cody. Yeah. It, it's like, so please all go watch kids. Stop the it. race. It's amazing. Stop it. <laughs> and, and the best part is the horse is still in training. As far as I'm aware of, there's Bill Mott hasn't said where he's going to run next. Okay, but the horse is in training, as far as I'm aware. Has anyone struck aware. a movie deal on this yet? Um, no, but I think Hollywood's going to pick up on. I mean, how do you not do this? Someone one? please <laughs> make a movie out of this. It's perfect. It, it, it is, and the Vox Populi, Haley had mentioned earlier. The it, essentially a lot of the racetrack people know it as the popularity contest, but in reality, it's what's your most compelling storyline in horse racing. So there, and there were two real heavy favorites. There was the flight line storyline, and then there was the Cody's Wish storyline. Yep. And I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb, and I'm gonna assume a lot of people know who flight line is. So flight line was the horse that dominated the uh, the Breeders' Cup Classic. Yep. And we were just talking off air that I'm not a big fan of favorites, but mm-hmm. this horse I'm a big fan of because the horse has gone through hell. Right? It got hurt. Uh, rammed itself in the gate, had the big cut. I, I didn't realize how he bad the cut. He famously has a scar yeah. on his hip. He's got a nice of, square, a nice yeah. X, yeah. X marks the spot. But when they took his saddle and his blanket off when he was getting, uh, getting after he got his, uh, you know, his award, his flowers at the Breeders' Cup, I'm like, yep. damn, that one's bigger than I thought. That it's, scar. So horses like Flightline. I mean, horses like Flightline don't happen. They don't come around often, yeah. and that's why. I say to everyone who wants to com- who asks me who I think he's like, you can't really make that comparison. He doesn't break a sweat, dude. Well, it's it's not even that he <laughs> doesn't break a sweat. He's just so naturally fast. If yeah. I'm not, I mean, the Pacific Classic, which was his best career race, and I genuinely do believe that when he won off by 19 and a quarter, right? Not uh, even trying. No, oh no, it took all Fl- all um, Flavian Pratt had to do was just shake the reins at him at the quarter pull at Del Mar. Yeah. That's all he had to do. Yeah. 
he was he ran that final he ran the final time in one minute fifty nine seconds and two and twenty eight milliseconds. The track mark was one fifty nine and eleven milliseconds. Yep. If Flavian hadn't eased him, no. he would have shattered the track record. No question. <laughs> so Flightline being this essentially this un, undefeated monster, like no one could get to him because if you wanted to try and run with him. You were gonna run your own horse in a half mile in forty-five and change. My thing is, and that they retired in the stud. I think that's the right thing to do. He had nothing left to prove. Exactly. That's what they said. Like he has right. nothing left to prove. He's already beaten everybody. He already had fifty-six million in stud fees guaranteed, or some I, ridiculous got, amount of money. I've gotten into plenty of arguments over the horse, and in my mind, they, the horse has nothing to prove. The, the horse had nothing to prove. Correct. Why do you want to? Do you want to? Hold on, we're running out of time. Oh, so never mind. <laughs> we're, we're going to continue this conversation. Okay. So you guys are going to be out there tomorrow. Yep. You'll be out there making picks. Yep. All right, in the paddock. Where are you going to be tomorrow? I'm going to be running around um, doing my managerial job, making sure everything's going smoothly. But yeah, Michael will be front and center on TV. Yep. You'll All see right. him in the paddock between come, races. Come say hi. I'll t- I'll give you a few numbers. I'll be there early. I'll see you guys tomorrow. <laughs> Ed Ackerley, thank you for bringing these good people thank here. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Opening day at Rito is starting at 1 p.m. race, opens at 11 Please join us. The last guy I know who got that much money for stud fees, Sean McCluskey, and he's up next. Wake up, Tucson, 1030 The Voice.